0: Chase Minifield, Don Joseph, and Max Millian discuss life lessons they've learned as young entrepreneurs in the business world. Join them as they debate current events, business topics, and enjoy a few laughs with their weekly guests. And now for today's show...
1: What up, what up? Here we are with another episode of the CTC Podcast, Cut the Check Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Minnifield, coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. We have on the line today, Dom Joe.
2: Hey, what's up, world? Doing good.
1: And we have have back, again, Max Millian. What up, Max?
3: What's up, world? Coming to you live from Seaville. How y'all doing? It's uh, Monday, actually. We're recording new today.
1: Hey, you couldn't even go by your script today, huh? To uh, yeah, switch it up for me. Hey, <laughs> hey it choked me up
3: right there. Switch me He's up.
1: You got bro. a piece of paper right there in front of him. He's going word for word. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a funny story about that joint because my dad, he was some, – somehow the University of Louisville gave my dad the opportunity to be the head of the board at the University of Louisville. And so he was the guy that was literally doing the um, the speeches at the, at the graduation and passing out the diplomas. That was his job. Now, if anybody knows my dad knows, man, you put the words in front of him, man. <laughs> you put the words in front of him, man. Give him a script. Hey, y'all taking a risk on that joint. So we, we always laugh about how his head was down at the graduation, reading with his fingers on the piece. <laughs> That's what reminded me of, man, when Max was talking about, uh, he, he thought it was funny that he was going over his script. Had to cut hey. that thing. <laughs> cut that thing, man. Hey, we got these wrong words up here on the prompter, bro. <laughs> so, nah. it's all good, man. But today, man, we have a new we're doing something new today, man. We're doing the podcast takeover. The energy getting the energy getting bad on the podcast. And I listened to the podcast last week. I apologize. We didn't get it out last week, man. Some bad, some bad <laughs> I'm talking about. It was some bad stuff. I couldn't even put that product out to the public. So um we back though. We are with a new concept, a new idea, man. It's called podcast takeover, man. We have a special takeover coming today and basically essentially we're going to have somebody when we do these types of series they're just going to take over the podcast we're going to live in a world we're going to we're going to let them run things and today we have one of the uva goats taking over the podcast today professional journalist uh michelle fisher what's up michelle
0: hey Chase. hey max hey dom thank you guys for having me on your podcast and taking over, allowing me to take over. I guess. Yeah, you're
1: taking <laughs> it over. You're taking this thing over. You've already been on the podcast as a guest. I don't remember what episode it was. I don't know if they might it. I think it was back in the early
0: days. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, Who's where? A who's where episode. She started
1: the who's where. She started the who's where. So um, I remember she was on the she was on the uh, podcast. She said we're going to call it that. So we started calling it that. So um, we're excited. We're excited. So what you got for us, Michelle? Where are we starting at?
0: Well, uh, you, me, and Dom, this is how this originated. We're kind of just having a chat over the weekend about um, everything that's going on in the world right now and how it's kind of making us feel, Um, you know, more racial injustice, the names, the city, the crime, if there even was one in the first place, is always different with uh, these situations. But the situation is always the same where we see something caught on video where there's A person of color being shot by police. And then there's this outrage. Sometimes it lasts for a couple weeks, sometimes it lasts for a couple months. Um, And we were just chatting about that. So we decided, right, all together, that it would be a good opportunity to delve into that a little bit this week um, instead of focusing on business like you guys normally do. Um, So that's what we're doing today. That's
1: a pretty good explanation. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so Jacob Blake, um, you know, is the latest incident um, to happen, and, and that's in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Dom, you had some things to say about that on your Instagram. Um, so my question to you is, number one, I think first we're going to hear a little bit of what you had to say. You
4: know, um, and the biggest disappointment about this whole thing, it's not even about Republican or Democrat, for me, at least. But the biggest disappointing thing about the RNC is the black professionals that speak. Tim Scott, um, Herschel Walker, disappointed. Uh, The other black football coaches, there's a couple others. They always say, my grandfather grew up in a time where that was real. Racism. That is the dumbest quote. It gets me fired up every time. Well, like, what do you define as real racism when you say that? So, you mean to tell me that your grandfather's grandfather told your grandfather that in the '50s that's not real racism because in the late 1800s there was slavery and slavery is real racism? Like, it just goes to show that you know you're missing the whole point, and for you to be black and missing the point. It's crazy because we're talking about equality. We want to be equal. We're fighting to be equal. Okay, so, yeah, social conditions are improving. You know what I'm saying? We're not on cotton fields no more and doing that, but we're still not equal. So, Like, I don't understand how you can sit there as a black person, as a person for real, and just say, United States isn't a racist country.
0: So, Dom, my question to you first is, why did you choose to speak out? Like I said, we've seen so many of these instances. So what was it that was just like, listen, I can't take this anymore. I need to say something. And then the second part of that is, what were you kind of hoping to accomplish by having this really raw conversation with your followers?
2: Okay. The reason why I wanted to speak out was, like I said in the video, in the clip, I was watching the RNC, the Republican National Convention, And, um, it kind of just shocked me the, how out of tune some of the black representatives were. And it made me think about how many young black kids they touch and influence. And for me, I just had to, I just had to, I just had to, um, pretty much let my kids know where I stand, you know, just let, let, like separate myself from those black people. So my thing was just, I couldn't understand how people were so out of touch with reality, you know? And I think they throw around these words, you know, democratic, liberals, Republicans, but at the end of the day, you know, you're just, you're just fighting for equality. What is liberal about that? It's not liberal it's right. You know? And then the purpose of that was also just to start a conversation. I wanted to, I kind of I kind of wanted my kids to comment on it, but I wound up getting like a lot like older people and like my friends, but I really wanted my kids to come on the platform and see what they had to say too. So that's where I was coming from.
0: What what were your friends saying exactly? Were they agreeing with you?
2: Most of my friends were agreeing with me, but then other friends would agree with me and then, or would just dis- everybody that disagreed with me actually DM me. So I okay. think that was funny. And um, you know we had we had discussions, and they just keep bringing it back to the same point. Everybody that brought it back or with disagreement brought it back to like something that wasn't the subject. like they start talking about the actual incident. I'm not really talking about the actual incident. I'm talking about the facts the the, the facts that say African Americans are three times more likely to get killed by cops than white people. Those are the only facts I don't care about the incident. Okay, because we could have a whole... There's a laundry list of incidents. I'm not talking about specific incidents. I'm talking about facts. That was my big thing.
0: So that kind of leads me into my next question, and obviously Max um, or Chase, you guys can speak on this also. Most of us, I feel like our followers on social media are people that we kind of agree with. We have similar lifestyles. We kind of not all think alike, but if you're far right, you're going to have followers and friends that probably agree with you. If you're far left, you're going to have followers and, and sorry, you can, I live in the middle of Harlem, so sorry for whatever noise you can hear. But my point is that most of our followers probably are similar to us. So is it effective to have this conversation or to speak out on social media and you have people that already feel the same way? Is that going to change anyone's mind really? Interesting.
1: I, I, personally, I don't think it will because you're right. You know, you're following people that are similar to you um, and people that are following you are similar to you. Unless that, you know, we do have these, like, I think Dom is kind of interesting because we do have, like, friendships that grow over time and you kind of, you know, you, you, you kind of diverge from where your friendship started, So that, if that makes sense. Like, you're still friends and we're still cool, but we're kind of not in the same space of life. I feel, I feel like you have some of those kind of followers as well, and I've seen those like more on like Facebook uh, than necessarily Instagram. But you'll see people posting on on Facebook, and you know these are people that you you've been cool with over time, and you kind of like you're kind of uh, you're kind of having to you know purge your your friends list because some of the nonsense I've seen is some things that I don't want to see. So I, I'm basically at this point in time with everything going on in America, I feel like a lot of things are are showing you know, where are, where are we still similar? Are we not still similar? Are we still, worth you know, our friendship or is our friendship diverging or is it not a friendship or is it just, you know, acquaintances and, you know, I want to see what I want to see on social media. So essentially if you're not my social media friend, are you my, are you still my real life friend at this day and age?
0: And I feel like you brought up a good point about purging your followers. I feel like there's kind of two approaches that most people take. It's either I'm just going to delete anybody that I don't want to hear the nonsense they're talking about. And then there are the people that are like, I'm going to speak out and I'm going to make a post and I'm going to make a video. And I'm not placing a value judgment on either of those things. Um, but my question just again is how effective really is it to use social media um, in terms of having there be change, which kind of gets us uh, into the net? Na- I mean, do either anybody have anything to say about that?
2: Yeah, I think it's a, well, as a matter of fact. Max, go ahead because you you um you didn't speak yet, man.
1: Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I mean, I like the people who are just writing crazy, super crazy stuff. I just block them because I mean, for me, it's just like there's some energy I just don't want to waste. Um, but some that are on the fence, I don't block only because in the hopes of maybe. I post something or we retweet something that's enlightening that maybe they take a look deep into themselves and might maybe change their ways. Um, and those are usually the people who are, they're like silent, not really spoken out or, you know, maybe one small post, but the people who are just this and that, and just really don't get it. I just feel it's a waste of time. So I just, I just gotta let them go. Sometimes you just gotta purge. Okay. John.
1: Um before, before Dom jumps in here, man, I just want to get this point out there because we didn't talk about it post. I haven't got that out, out there yet. But man, I, I needed some more volume on that post. I ain't gonna be honest I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Like I, I went to Dom's post, man, I clicked that thing, man. I was ready for some right. fireworks to pop off. It
2: was real library.
1: <laughs> it was real it was real uh Alderman library style post. Yeah, because, <laughs> that's because
2: that that's what I was going for though, man. It's just it's just it's just my point of view, and I wanted to. It's just a release. I use social media as just, you know, a release. Put every, put whatever I want to put up there, you know, make sure it doesn't hurt my brand or anything. But that's all it is, you know. And I wanted, I wanted to make it in a tone that was an inviting a conversation, not a freaking war cry, Chase. I mean, I know you over here, you over here, you know what I mean? You really on your, on your joint right now, ready for war. Yeah, I mean, so I th- I think we in two di- separate places with the. Um, well, y'all
1: must yeah. You must have seen that video of the seventeen year old boy with the AK out there catching bodies.
2: I mean, I saw it, I saw it, you know. But you know, things happen. But we're getting off the set. We're getting matter of fact, man. Chase talking. What,
0: what, what's the? What was your question again, Misha? <laughs> Overall, what the question is and we can move into the next topic of discussion is just the effectiveness of different types of protests or boycotts or whatever it may be. The end goal for all of this, right, is to impact change in our world. It's to have equality for everybody, right? But there are different mechanisms that we can use to get that done. And one of them, especially this day and age, is social media. So I just was asking you guys how effective it is to use social media or does more need to be done?
2: No, more needs to be done, but you have to use okay. social media because that's how you're going to touch the masses. And social media also starts the conversation. You know what I'm saying? And, it's, I mean, there's so many different conversations that can be going on and everybody can get their viewpoint across. Like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a release for everyone. So, you know, I mean, people use it in the wrong way, people use it in the right way. I, th- I think you definitely need social media if you want to make real change in this country. I mean, that's where every, that's where Did you, fi- the did world you find headed, your post so. effective? Did
1: you find your post effective? Did you get what you wanted
2: out of that? Yeah, I got what I wanted out of my post, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to change the world. That's the thing though. That post wasn't that post wasn't me trying to change the world. It was literally me starting a conversation. The way I'm trying to make a difference is put money into elementary education. So, that's my thing. That's how I want to make a difference. And it's not a quick fix. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, that's just where I feel like our money needs to go, especially in the black community. So that's what I do. And what I did on social media is literally just a release for anybody that has something to say or, you know, feels the same way I do or feels different or wants to talk, whatever. You know, I just threw it out there like a temperature check. I do.
0: I like what you said, Dom, about it was more so a release for you to just get these feelings off your chest. Because I think that, you know, that's the case sometimes, is that we can just see these images, hear these stories, we know what's going on, and we just have to silently deal with it and be frustrated to ourselves, right? So I think, you know, that's important what you said, is how you used it as a release to just let everyone let everyone know how you were feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I do want to... Yes, <laughs> of
4: course.
0: <laughs> there is this term, speaking of social media, um, called slacktivism. Does anybody know what that is? Have you guys heard of that? No.
3: No. Okay.
0: Um, so I pulled up the uh, definition. I heard this um, in journalism school. Um, it's the practice of supporting a political or social cause by means such as social media or online petitions characterized as involving very little effort or commitment. So it's a pejorative term, um, pretty much meaning it takes the word activism and combines it with slack. So slacktivism, meaning that sometimes, you know, people do things on social media, but really at the end of the day, what what does it accomplish? It looks like people are participating. And Dom, I'm, I'm not saying that's what you were doing at all, but, um, you know, Blackout Tuesday, for instance, might be seen as slacktivism or... Uh, certain hashtags that you see that are trending could be considered slacktivism So just, again, part of the conversation about the most effective ways to let our voices be heard and ultimately create change in this crazy world. So do we I mean, want to get into sports said, now? No, no, no. I'm not ready for the sports yet.
1: Not ready for the sports yet. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think like, for and Dom said also something that was very interesting was about his brand was not, mm-hmm. he's putting out something specifically not to that won't tarnish his brand. And being a business person, so so let okay, let's say, he put that statement out there so does that mean we're getting 100% of what he's thinking or we're we getting that 75%? Because really social media is, a, is like, we really walk this fence of, like, is it factual or is it fake? You know what I'm saying? We gotta always walk that line of that. Because um, a lot of people are putting out things for likes and views at the same time. Um, and, you know, we got to look at it from an entrepreneur standpoint where we can't put out nothing so radical or some off the charts things where we're messing up business. You know what I'm saying? So certainly truly what is like like Michelle, like you work for a national brand. You can't just put anything out there. Right. Mhm. So essentially, like if we do use social media as an outlet, how 100 percent is it of your true feelings? Or are you going to say one thing on this platform and then come face to face with somebody else? And be talking a totally different
3: tone. So, well, I think a big thing, Chase, is it's, especially when you have a brand, it's not always that you can't say how you feel. It's just you might have to portray it a different way. You know, you just can't come out here, depending on how people see what what's wild or, or going crazy. But you can articulate how you feel in a different way to you get your point across and you can still protect your brand or your image. That's not always the case. But um, ultimately, it just comes at how you attack the issue, I think, because, I mean, you can can say whatever you want, but you have to also be prepared for the repercussions of that if you want to take that route.
1: I'm not saying anything. Believe you, me. My conversations with my friends is different than whatever
0: I'm going to put on social media. I promise you that. Right. So then I think that brings into question this idea of, are you placing, not you necessarily, Chase, but just this idea that people place their money and their brand above the possibility of impacting real change because they're worried about themselves and you know not making money in the future or getting cut off from their job or whatever it may be so they censor themselves so then is it like okay just well, don't say anything at all
3: I look <laughs> like, at it differently because people a lot of people say that you know you, your money but I look at it as I protect my brand and the money I make because I also do donate, give back. And I use that money to help the youth. So okay. is it better to speak out about how I really feel? And, you know, it may or may not help. It may just be a, a maybe get a hot take for a week and then it's gone. Or can I show how I feel long-term and make real change, maybe not on a large scale, but at least in my community with the money that I'm making um, It's how I look at it. And to me, I've been able to enact change, at least more change in my mind through the way I do it than through social media.
1: I think it is a a fact that black men in America are scared to fall on the sword with the chance of losing everything that they work for. I I agree
3: with you. I agree with you You on that.
1: Especially coming from Slavery through generations or whatever to get to a point where you actually have a chance to, you know, feel like you've assimilated in American culture, um, that you're going to risk it all for this. That's why Colin Kaepernick celebrated. That was, I heard the other day, like, Muhammad Ali is not called the people's champ because he was the greatest boxer, even though I would say he's the greatest boxer it was because of the things that he stood for and the things that he sacrificed is why he's the people's champ, right? But you also have, like, Black America, like they get to a point so we get to a point and it's so hard to get to that point, and you've seen so many negative things and bad things that you got to weigh that, like you got to weigh that, like that's a true conversation in your head, like, is this worth this? Is this not worth this? And I think it's getting more to the point where we're starting to be like it's, it's more worth it to risk it than to not have or uh, than to keep having social injustices um across the country. Um, and just so, to look, at two, look at two different situations. Like you got Colin Kaepernick, who hasn't had a job since he did his protest, and then you have um, just a recent thing with Deshaun Jackson. He was when he did something. He tweeted something about Hitler, and he backwards he backwards barked off that thing so quickly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, was he was backwards barking just to get his just to make sure he got his coin.
3: Nick, don't forget about Nick Cannon. Yeah. Nick Cannon ain't backwards barking though, is he? Oh yeah, he
2: apologized. It, it ain't work, but I mean, he apologized. Um, I mean, my my whole thing with that is, this is the thing: not everybody is in a position to fall on the sword and make change, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like it is upon every one of us to uh to uh create awareness, you know. So like, do the social media posts, maybe put money towards an organization, but people that are in a specific status or people that have specific, specific, uh, power, you know, like Meek, you know, Meek wasn't out protesting, but he was really back there changing laws with the governor, Tom Wolf in Philly to, to make sure over sentencing, you know, was getting, was getting changed. You know what I'm saying? But he wasn't protesting. That's like upset people like us, you know what I mean? So I think you got to realize what your role is too. So if I was a normal person, cause after a while we got, there's a fine line between like, Creating awareness and complaining as well, you know, and that, and and that's why I think, you know, as Black people we have to understand, especially people, especially educated Black people that's been to college, that have jobs. After a while, we can't we can't post the same thing high school kids post because it really does look like complaining. Like, where are the solutions at? And if you're gonna talk about this, talk about this with somebody, and figure out some solutions to bring to the
3: table, you know. So, I mean. I mean, I think it's Go ahead. You know, more, I, I just think a lot of it is one of the reasons that we're afraid to fall on the sword is because I feel like as a community, and this may trigger some people, but I feel like we don't really get behind our own if, if they're going against the grain too much. Um, I feel like the, ma- ma- maybe not the majority, but a lot of people just like us, once they feel like they've made it this far, they estimate that they don't want to mess up their chance that they have because they know how hard it was to get here. They're so like, well, I'm not going to be the only one to follow this guy and follow him down the drain to whereas if more people got behind it and we support our own more in times like this, I think a lot more people will be willing to fall on the sword. I think we also have to put, I think we also have to put
2: in perspective, like the oppression too. When we start really supporting our own people start getting arrested. Like, like, does anybody know about, about black wall street back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, like, when we start supporting our own, they kind of wage war that's on history
3: the degree. That well, that's that's not, history that's degree. That's what I'm don't saying. Me, I'm not don't. saying it's not because of reasons why they're not supporting our own, but it's still that issue. You know, it's, it's a lot has come into why we have a problem of supporting our own. And, you know, once we see somebody going against the grain, so to say, you're like, well, history shows that. They're gonna get that. They're gonna cancel him one way or another. So, do I want to be a part of that, or do I want to just stay in my lane? And most people just stay in their lane. And you know, for, and people have everyone has their own reasons. Everyone has their own responsibilities. Can't blame them, but it's just one of the one of the issues. It's like when you feel you don't have the power, or you don't have the power to enact the change. You don't also want to be the one who loses any power that you may have had.
2: Thanks. No, yeah, you're right. Um, I'm gonna just switch it up real quick, man, and Just remind everybody that progress is a slow process,
1: man. Progress
2: go, is a slow yo. process. You know, so I know me and my uh, uh,
1: me and my business partner Nigel, he's our chief of security across the country in Lexington, and uh, you know we specifically talk about that thing because he has a wife, and he's like, yo, I gotta say, hey, I gotta let her know, like you guys can't be putting anything now. Don't, 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 you just can't be putting anything on Facebook and Instagram because, you know, we're working for big, big brand clients. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you get, you lose those contracts, our lives change, those type of situations. So he done told me multiple times. He's like, listen, I don't hey, I ain't gonna put a name out there, but hey, man, my wife just, just Facebook, uh, messaged something on Facebook, posted something. I'm gonna let her know if she can't be doing that attached to us, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we be having those conversations regularly like the the bag versus the the uh, the bag versus social justice man is becoming a it's becoming more even i would say but before before this before this um before these modern day lynchings came up you know what i'm saying uh before these modern day lynchings came up man it was the bag and it was the bag was way ahead of the social justice because you just thought that social justice was going to be a part of it now it's unacceptable
3: I just think it shows how bad it's gotten. It's gotten that bad that people are really, really willing to risk it all. Like it's that bad right now.
0: But I, I I would, I think social injustice. We have to look at history. Social injustice now is not what social injustice was fifty years ago. Because fifty years ago, you have not only people willing to risk the bag, people were willing to risk their lives. And I think now, social injustice. Certainly, there's still injustice, but we have to recognize that we're in a place where we have the choice to to not say anything if we don't want to and still live a relatively comfortable life. 50 years ago, that wasn't an option. You had to fight, and the sacrifice was literally your life, but that's how bad things were. So we have to really recognize that right now, you know, I can choose to say something or not say something, and I can still walk out my house and not get... You know, killed for being a black woman or whatever. That's yeah, but
2: but but think about the Central Park Five. Social injustice is pretty much the same. I think what also Dom what, Joe's second think,
1: history re, Dom Joe's yo, second history lesson. Let's go. I'm saying nah,
2: and you know, I just think I think a lot of people don't or um, they overlook the over sentencing factor. There's a lot of innocent African Americans in jail. There's a lot of people. Uh, african-americans in jail that are doing that are getting over sentenced for marijuana crimes now that's social injustice it just looks different than it did 50 50 years ago Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying right you know and and it's just like we don't see it but it's like the wolves over our eyes a little bit you know so i mean i think it's definitely better than it was 50 years ago but it's not as good as people make it seem like we haven't made as much progress as, as we make it seem. They just dressed it up a little different for us.
0: No, and I'm not saying that it's better or worse. I'm just saying we have to recognize that this conversation we're having about like the bag versus fighting for social injustice, protecting the bag versus speaking out on social media. Even the fact that we can have that conversation speaks to a certain privilege that we have in this age right now versus what they had 30 40 50 years ago because 30 40 50 years ago it wasn't even a conversation of let me choose one or the other it was life is so bad that it's either like i'm gonna put my life on the line for this or life is not worth living you know what i'm saying
1: yeah
3: yeah no yeah you're right you're right i mean well, what it's getting to that point. I mean, not not getting to yeah. that like it's not worth living point, but it's getting to the point where it's like it's this bad that people are like, look, I don't care how good my life is, like this is getting this is ridiculous. Or like this could easily be me or my family. You know, it's getting to that point where people are just fed up to the, the point that they're, they're willing to not, you know, they're willing to go out and take a stand.
1: I guess we're about to get into this sports talk, but you know how much LeBron James get paid a game? And He decided he don't want to play no more games. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, bro, that's a lot of uh, a lot of coins for somebody to just. I mean, obviously he's set for for eternity, but essentially all them kids in that bubble, and we know how they've been on the bottom of the roster. You know what I'm saying? Even if yeah. you're making a dollars a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, that 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 fifteen thousand dollars check that next game. Hey,
0: boy, hold on, bro, easy, easy, <laughs> <You know laughs> right, right. Okay, so we're going to get into the sports talk. But if all of the NBA players, I mean, LeBron James right now is like the NBA player, right? I mean, I'm not a sports journalist. I don't know that much about sports, but LeBron James is pretty much like it, right? So if he was willing to make that sacrifice and everyone below him said, okay, LeBron James is leading us in this effort, we're going to like follow suit and like the NBA season is like going to be canceled right now. So Correct me if I'm wrong, but after the boycott last Thursday, I think it was, right? There was a team yep. meeting at yep. the NBA teams, decided if they were going to move forward with the season. Reports are that the Clippers and the Lakers were like, we don't want to play the rest of the season. And all the other teams were like, we want to move forward with the season. So if everyone followed in LeBron's uh, footsteps, or I mean, based off what you're saying about him not wanting to play, if everyone did that, how much bigger would that impact be versus it having to be a sacrifice for just one player? Like we were talking about earlier with the one person falling on the sword versus getting behind your you know, fellow athlete, in this case, or your fellow teammate, and making a bigger impact that way, right?
3: Well, so I think and I'm not saying a big, there's
0: a right or wrong answer, but.
3: I, I'm one who thinks that you should have, not that they should not play, but if you're not going to play, have a list of demands before you come back. I think that's going to be more impactful. Once you start affecting the pockets of the owners, which is a lot of money that they'd be losing, like, hey, we're not coming back until this list of police reforms or whatever, you know, as a collective, the players should come together and be like, hey, we're not playing a single game until this list of demands is met. And when you can affect that much money, because, I mean, it's it's great that athletes are sitting up, let's be honest, the real reason that something will change is because the owners start losing money. And yeah. I could be wrong, but that's, that's just really how I feel. Um, you know, it's, it's great that a lot of people say LeBron's sitting out and this and that, but I don't think they really care. If they were still making, owners were still making the same amount of money without the players playing, they wouldn't care. Um, and that's some of the reason why the lower level players, even if they do sit out, it's not as big of a change. But once you start affecting their pockets, I think you can really enact a decent amount of change. And if you go in there and say, hey, this is what we want to come back. We're not just sitting out just to protest, but we're sitting out with a, a goal and listen list of demands. I think that's really when you can make a big change and that's when we really can see some change. Mhm. And, and they had a list of demands. Do y'all
1: know?
0: Do y'all have that? I can't remember.
3: I, oh, I didn't and, know that.
0: Yeah, they well, I think what demands. Max is saying is that the list of demands the next day, though, like the playoffs have resumed now. So I think Max is mm-hmm. more so saying that it maybe would have been more effective if it was like we're not returning until this list of demands is met because every day that they wouldn't have been playing, it would have been teams losing money, um, you know, advertising dollars that have gone to advertise during the that would, You know what I'm saying? It just would have been this triple-down effect to impact, um, I guess, more monetarily.
1: Yeah. No, I I agree, totally. Um, I do think that, you know, I think that it's important that, like you said, the owners got to get in on this because, one, you know, I'm not, like I said, this is probably not a true statement, but essentially I would assume most of the owners are on the Republican side of things and most of the players on the Democrat side of things um, is what I would assume. But essentially they're fighting for one thing and there's a difference of views at the top. And I think that LeBron James was quoted as saying like, or at least somebody said on Twitter, like he was like, um, I, you know, if the owners aren't getting involved, then that's the reason why we want to leave the bubble. Because we're, we're us just putting this Black Lives Matter on the court and Black Lives Matter on our jerseys and still going out here and playing obviously isn't getting nothing done. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to need somebody to do something. I know one of the things of the list of demands that they had, like – them to come back playing was the fact that like all the NBA arenas will become voting centers. I know the Stable Center just announced they're opening up, they're gonna be a voting center for November. So I think that's a huge thing is the fact that mm-hmm. like it's going to be more access for people to come and vote. Um instead of like the little small ones. So that's a that's a big thing that they, they got the owner they got of the owners. Um but yeah I think the bubble has been a situation where when 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 would you ever see like I, I think it's a it's a it's a thing like All the teams are in one space at one time. They had an opportunity for all the teams to come together and meet and talk about this subject. I don't think they could have done that at any other time, any other place, because everybody spread out. You know, somebody's in Utah, somebody's in L.A., somebody's in New York, whatever it is. But they were all in the same space at the same time, and they were able to meet and come up with what they wanted to get out of this. So I thought that was pretty powerful. Okay. Dom? You have
2: anything to yeah, add? no, I think, um, I mean, I, I like what Draymond said because I I feel like the, oh. the general consensus I got from the regular public was that, like, oh, you guys only did it for one game. Like, what did that actually accomplish? You know, I I like what Draymond said. Draymond said um, it's baffling to me how um, people want us to stop working for a cause. Why don't you stop working? You know, so – Basically saying, yo, I'll stop my job when you stop going to work, and then I look at the impact we'll make that way. You know, so I think we might be putting the onus on the players a little bit too much, expecting them just to completely stop going to work. When okay, they made enough noise, now let's actually get behind the curtain and make some real change. I think that's what they're doing, so and I think it's effective, and I'm I like what the NBA is doing better than any other organization.
3: Which I, mean, I think I think Draymond has a point, but I think Draymond also, you, if you're going to mention that, you need to mention who has the resources to stop working. But Draymond has the resources to stop working. Not everyone has the resources to stop working. Yeah, it's all great if you want to say that, but if somebody living paycheck to paycheck making minimum wage, what good is it going to do if they're starving now, homeless, and can't eat? How much change can they really enact at that point? Yeah, you don't know, I mean,
2: but you don't know, you don't know what kind of bills Draymond work with, man, what kind of companies right. he got, what he got going on, you know what I'm saying? So I'm You're right, right about that. I, I understand what he's saying, you know. I think the biggest thing now is just action, and it's good, and it's good to see a lot of people taking action, people that I know personally, um, superstars, you know, artists, and so I, I, I like the mobilization of America right now, white people, black people. So hopefully it gets us somewhere soon.
0: Well, I want to do a, take us on another history lesson um, and just highlight the Montgomery bus boycott, um, which is one of my favorite, I don't want to say favorite boycotts, but I remember learning about that in history class and just being so amazed because you you hear about it and you know what it is, right? It's like, okay, Rosa Parks got arrested and they boycotted, but people really might not realize what went into that. Number one, it lasted over a year, Um, there was organization that went into it in order for these people to be able to get to and from work and school, there had to be, they, they walked or they would organize, um, like carpools and caravans and such. So people could get rides from people that had cars. Um, so I just think that's so important as we have this conversation about what is effective, because obviously that was in a very, a very effective You know, boycott at the end of the day, after that year period, there was a law passed that said segregation on the buses was unconstitutional. Um, And, you know, black people were able to sit wherever they pleased. Um, And I think that highlights two things. A, sometimes it does take a sacrifice, right? I mean, it wasn't convenient for these people to have to walk to work. It wasn't convenient for them to have to get rides with their friends or whatever. It would have been much easier for them to hop on the bus, but it was a sacrifice they knew they had to make for the greater good of the community, number one. Number two, I think it highlights just how we kind of spoke about about that buying power and the black dollar and how really the boycott ended because these bus companies or the city or whoever was losing all this money because half of their ridership or two-thirds of their ridership or whatever was just gone. So I just I don't know. I think we have to look at history and some of the most, you know, strong examples of things that were successful. But again, I think we also have to consider that we're in a completely different time and that we do have a privilege now that maybe allows us not to realize what we need to do in order for change to happen now.
2: No, I think you're right. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it's still going to take the same components. You know, African-Americans are going to have to come together under, no, under separate causes. I should say, because you got racial you or you got education reform, you got prison reform. So pick a cause and and come together as one cohesive unit and figure out the best way to make change. You know. So I think um I think you're right. It's gonna take the same components that the bus boycott did in like nineteen fifty five or
1: whatever. I agree as well. Um, I just really, you know, I'm just thinking, like, this isn't even like a black versus white thing. It's not black versus white in America. You know what I'm saying? This is right versus wrong. And the people that are saying, like, when James Blake, is that his name? I don't know if that's his yeah. name or not. Jacob Blake. Okay, good. Jacob <laughs> Blake, yeah. <laughs> when Jacob Blake gets shot in the back and somebody argues, well, he had a knife in the car, that's the argument. It's right or is it wrong? And you're on the wrong of the right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the that's the issue. Like it's not. That's why the guy and whatever that just got sh- the, the AK-47 kid is out there shooting people. He didn't even kill no black people. He killed white people. But these are people that were that have the same beliefs. Like, yo, this is messed up. This system is not right. You you see another. You see a you see, you take the same situation, or at least we assume that if you take the same situation with a white person, or somebody that's not black, then they don't come away paralyzed. Like the guy's not dead, but he's paralyzed. That is, that is a tragic accident or a tragic ending to whatever the situation was. But that's really the argument is the fact of like, some people are saying like, oh, he had a knife. They had the right to shoot him. And everybody else is saying they could have did anything else but shoot him.
3: Right. Could have, they could have, he, tased him. he was walking away. The officer was holding his shirt. He could have easily tased him at that point. Yeah. yeah, I believe
0: they did try to use a taser, but it was ineffective, and so not justifying that they they should have shot him at that point. But there there was a taser involved at some point, I know.
2: But there's three people exactly. there. How can you not restrain them from getting up and walking from one side, walking around the car from one side to the other? Like, you no. Know. But well, let's not get into this specific incident, man. Let's get yeah. into the actual <laughs> Cause America's problem.
0: Yeah, because it's it's all like it's a, a different incident than George Floyd or. Breonna Taylor, but it's it's always the same incident, right? It's always the same components and the same no. things in this way of like, wow, this didn't have to necessarily be handled like this, and what can we do so that next time it's handled better? Because next time yeah. this is going to sound so cl- cliche, but it actually could be any one of us, you know?
2: Right? No, it's true, and I think about that all the time. Like, it could be one of my kids that I coach, you know, could be my brother, my cousin, it's like, it hits close to home like that because these are normal people, you know, so. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I do, I did have another question for you all with regard to the sports aspect of it. Obviously, you three both played college football at UVA. Wahoo Do you think boycott like, you know, we've seen with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, or even you know, games being postponed or whatever. Do you think that would ever be able to extend to like a college level? Obviously, this year with COVID, college sports is in question just in general. But do you think you know college players would ever feel the need to get involved?
3: I think they feel so the college. need to get involved. But I think it's harder because sports you can do that, but college they can take away your scholarship, like, and they can. Mm-hmm mask in any way they want, like, hey, I'm not playing well. This player missed class today, so that's why we let them off the team. Or violation of team rules, that's why we kicked them out of school. I think it's just a little bit – college has a lot more I guess, be control of like the players.
2: It's not impossible, but it would take a lot more cohesiveness and a lot more uh, teamwork than it would for professionals to do it. But, I mean, you could do it because at the end of the day, there is there is what we have on – there's like over 100 people on our football team you know, including the walk on so like yeah. if they, if everybody including the white people on the team got together under one cause and and, and really boycotted it, it it would it would make some waves it would it would definitely make mm-hmm. some waves well i just don't think in college I, w- I wouldn't be mature enough to even articulate my thoughts like that like i do now like i'd i'd be more so angry you know and and it wouldn't come out the same way so i wouldn't want to put all that pressure on the college kid you because know, they're just trying to get through school and play sports just like I did. So I, th- I think it's yeah. up to people. You know what I'm saying?
0: I think you bring up a good point though about um, articulating your feelings and just maybe even a conversation. Maybe that's what it looks like. Um, one of my friends um, plays football professionally and they're in training camp right now. And they, um, I asked them like, oh, you know, was your team, did they boycott? Did you guys not have practice that day or what happened. And he's like, Oh, you know, we got the day off. The team was like, Oh, you can get the day off. But he said he would have liked to have seen there to be like a team meeting where there was a conversation about like what is going on. And I think even that sometimes is a starting point to have a conversation, you know, uh, be it amongst friends or amongst a team or whatever, which kind of brings us back to what we were talking about in the beginning social media and how that starts the conversation right
1: yep thanks
2: well, i know the eagles the eagles are uh they had some good conversation that's a tremendous
0: yeah. thing well i mean i won't mention the team or the friend but it's it not the eagles but <laughs>
2: <laughs> chase you got anything to say man you quiet
1: now now i'm quiet huh no, nah, I'm joking. But, uh, I, really got, I, I already had no, nothing else to say, man. I got all the things I wanted to get off my chest um, out there. You know what so I I think the only thing else I can think of that I needed to get out there was the fact of, like, um, you know, we have to. There's too many times in American history where we let our, where we do the Dom Joe technique and, you know, we get complacent and we get okay with what was. And I feel like that's where we were at prior to, these videos coming out or these situations happening was like, man, life is good. There's an issue. There's no issue. We, we solid. but you know, uh, and, and I've kind of talked about this previously yes, yes, on this great. podcast. There's the fact that like, you know, there's been situations where we're like, you know, like you don't, you don't know it until it's, until it's, until it's out there. And, and ultimately it's just still the same fight from, from Martin Luther King's fight. It's still the same fight. Fight, this fight ain't
2: over and I think there's been a false reality that the fight was over mm-hmm. listen this is this is this is some real stuff though too we gotta understand I think a lot of this stuff is living history so it seems a lot longer than what it is and I understand where you're coming from but also it's, 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 you gotta appreciate progress cause slavery ended in 1865 right and then the what, the Civil Rights <laughs> Act was in 1964. Hey, well, I
1: say that, history, that so, history degree so comes we in
2: from, we from slavery. Yo, We went from slavery to black people and white people going to school together in the same century to 2008 having a black president. So, like, on a chronological time scale, if you think about it, like, Jews were enslaved by the Egyptians for thousands of years. Everything's happening, like— pretty quick, like 200 years when they read about this in the textbook, it could, it's, it's not going to be like, you know, that long. So I think you're right that we do get complacent sometimes. And, uh, and, and we do me, need to keep, keep, that keep that the pedal on this. the metal, but you let's tell appreciate me that American the history in, in the way that we're headed.
1: You can't tell me that American history doesn't preach Dr. Martin Luther King. Like this world has, is, 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 a uh, the American dream world. You know what I'm saying? Like,
0: that's taught. Or, or we had a first black president, so, racism is over. I've heard that before, sometimes. <laughs> like, you know,
1: yeah, you know which yeah, has like,
0: nothing, that's, like, that's there's taught, no correlation, man. but.
1: That is taught, and I feel like, you know, and I'm the same way, like, I mean, I grew up with all white people. I go to all schools with all white, like, I have no problems with white people at all. Like, this is, like, those are, those people, is my people, best friends, name them, name them all. Like, I'm cool. It's just like the fact of like before this happened like you would think that America was the best place in this world to live, and I mean America is a great place in this world. But essentially, don't don't be fooled that we don't have our problems. Like nobody, nobody, no country yeah. is perfect, no people are perfect. Like there's problems out there that need to be fixed. That's just the bottom line. I feel like I feel like that yeah. problem had got pushed to the back. Like oh, black black is good now. Like black in America is solid now like no black in america is still trying to is still trying to assimilate
2: yeah no facts I, and i think this is what the next step looks like like you know we came from slavery segregation <laughs> blah 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 now i think i think we are living what the next step looks like and it's going to be exciting to see what happens what comes from everything that's going on now in like five years and just but we're also at a pivotal
1: that. point where we
0: could go backwards we are and Dom, you mentioned something earlier, though, um, just about how it, it looks different now. There's not slavery, slavery now and there's not legal segregation, but there are things in place like, you know, a person of color goes to the bank to try to buy a house and they get denied for the loan or,
1: yeah.
0: you know, or sentencing, harsher sentencing for having one type of drug that is found in communities of color versus another type of drug that is found in predominantly white areas. You know what I'm saying? So there are different things in place, but it's still injustice no matter how you slice it. And I would, I would possibly argue that those invisible things, right? The things that are not blatantly in our face, if we don't get on top of them, you know, could last however longer and could be worse in some ways because then that that prevents you from your generational wealth in the instance of the house buying, right? Right. Or owning a business or whatever. So it's it's generation. That's
2: that's why I think education is so key for me. And I've explained this before, but that's the only time. I love education for everything that I learned outside of the classroom. You know, like, I always lived in a black neighborhood, played on teams. Only time I played on teams of like mostly white people is when I was playing for my school, you know? So um, that was my chance to go home with them, with them have sleepovers, hang out with them. And I would never, I would never be able to probably even articulate myself. I am like I do now, if I didn't have those early experiences with the other race. And then if you even magnify to the college level, it's like, you got actual different cultures living with each other now they're not going home they have to learn to live amongst each other on this small campus and um i just think it i think that is what's going to push us further into equality
0: okay Mac, do we haven't heard from you in a while Do you have anything to oh, say that's or, or add the mic
1: we heard from him that's him
3: calling yeah. that, <laughs> that mic <laughs> hey man. <laughs> I I know I couldn't cough these days, man. You're in the mic. <laughs> I didn't mean to cough in the mic. Um but no, I, I agree. And uh, you know, Michelle, I think one of the most important things is that generational wealth and the wealth gap. And um, I mean not everything is designed to exclude us from the wealth gap, but a lot of it is. So for example, this you know, the different sentencing. If you put a kid who's sixteen in jail and I get people are saying, "Well, you we shouldn't have committed a crime." Okay, but crime is committed at uh, actually a higher rate for people of not color, just because they're a majority in this country. But it's not that the rate of crime is not that big of a difference. It's the sentencing. So you put a sixteen-year-old in for, you know, even three to five years. Once he has that felony tag on him, it excludes him from so much. Um, you know, you can't even. In some cases they won't even loan you money to buy a car. So let's start there. Now how are you can get to work. If you have a lot of jobs require you to drive a certain distance, you can't afford to live in the neighborhood that you work in, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and then from there, you know, you have that felony tag. A lot of jobs, once you check that box, they don't even look what it what it's for. You could have a felony charge for something, you know, a little bit of weed back ten years ago, which is now legal and now a lot of people who aren't of color are profiting millions of dollars from. So um I think the silent one is probably some of the worst forms, um, and mainly because a lot of people don't know about him and it's so hard to prove. Um, you know, when a bank teller says, well, he's a felon, so that's why I'm not giving him this loan, it's you know, it's like, okay, well the real reason not giving him this loan is because he's a person of color, but it's it's you know, how do you always prove that? And then when we try to prove it, we are seen as crying wolf. So I think the issue starts, you know, it's a bigger issue at hand. I got yeah,
1: I got the perfect image. I got the perfect image to kind of wrap this thing up, man. Black well I wanted to say American- t- before you wrap
0: it up. Okay, go okay. Ahead. I was gonna say along those lines too, um, like school to prison pipeline, which maybe some of the listeners are not familiar with that, pretty much the idea that like in elementary school, the little black boy or girl is treated differently than the little white boy or girl and the person of the child of color eventually is their their pipeline through school leads them in some instances into a life of crime or this assumption that they're not going to go to college. They're not going to make anything of their lives, you know? So it really starts just like from the beginning. There's so many different types of just invisible injustices. And I mean, that, that, that to me is, is really where a lot, a lot of work has to be done. But anyway, Jake, what were you going to say?
2: Great point. That was a great point, Nish.
1: Black America is Charlie Brown and America is whoever that girl was to keep pulling that football. we just trying to kick the football, man. And there's been so many, like, there's so much knowledge and history and how to win in America that is not non-transparent to us. So when, that's why you get to people that are saying, like, oh, Barack Obama is uh, the president, but really he can't pass anything because most of his cabinet is a white American Republican. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's uh, Donald Trump doesn't win the popular vote; he wins the electoral vote. Like, there's so many like nuances to how this thing was built. Like you're saying, the invisible things um, to win in this world. That you know, it just feels like we're constantly just keep on like back. Oh, you gonna let us? You gonna let us kick the ball this time? You gonna let us kick it? You know what I'm saying? And then you go and swing and miss. You're swinging the flip onto your head. You know what I'm saying? But eventually, we're gonna have to hold the ball ourselves. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we just trying to do is we just try to kick the ball. And if he ain't gonna let us kick it, then we're gonna have to hold it.
3: That's a good analogy right
0: there.
3: Yeah, that's facts.
0: Right. All right. Any final thoughts? We got we got Chase's hot take at the end there. <laughs> Anything else that anyone <laughs> wants to say? And an uplifting note. Um Dom, you always have been the gas of the week.
1: We got the guest of the week. Uh, but before if, if, we get to the guest of the week, man, let's thank Michelle. Don, can you thank Michelle for taking over the podcast?
2: Michelle, I would personally love to thank you for taking over the podcast. It's been an honor and a great, great pleasure to have you as our guest.
0: Thank you guys for having me.
2: <laughs> Don, bring us home the guest
1: of the week, man. What's the guest?
2: All right, man. I might have used this one before, but guess what, man? It it is not any more relevant than right now. Okay. Don't look for the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the bottom line. Go out, wake up in the morning and make progress every day. All right. You pick a target and you hit it and make sure you make progress every day, whether it's social injustice, whether you're trying to, whether it's a saving money goal. I don't care if you save two cents, save it. If you're trying to start a business, whatever you're trying to do. Don't look at, put your head down. Don't look for the light at the end of the tunnel and just keep moving. Put one foot in front of the other and keep moving. Keep fighting the good fight. We out.